You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Yes, back once again, another one-hour extravaganza. Hello, good morning. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Welcome in. What's going on? Just a regular old day. Nothing special about today, that's for sure. Actually, as you and I both know, right? Maybe I shouldn't bring this up. Maybe I shouldn't reference the, uh, what, elephant in the room. Because it makes people uh, uncomfortable. It can turn people off. People feel strongly one way or another. And if you say something that they don't agree with, well, people are very, very touched nowadays. But today is a very special day, a very big day, a very important day. It's the NFL trade deadline, right? It's very polarizing. People have strong feelings about it, so we'll tackle it in our own way. But, of course, you know the deal. We have 60 minutes. We run through it all as much as we can. Usually leave out a couple of things, but we try But today is Tuesday, November 3rd. We have our latest edition of NFL Poop Rankings. Every other show has NFL Power Rankings. But since I am required every single week to watch the Jets and the Giants, I can't really tell you who's the best, right? I'm, I'm busy watching these other games. I'm busy watching the Jets lose every week. I'm busy watching the Giants Every single week. I don't want to do that. I do that as an obligation. It's my obligation as a talk show host. So I can't tell you who's the best. I can just simply tell you who's the worst. How much worse? All the way worst. The worst of the worst. So we'll have our NFL poop rankings at 520. 540, we will get into a day 12 of the Regal Tumble. The quest to crown the greatest television show of all time. One show eliminated yesterday. Another one joins the fray today. And uh, I, I, I know as, as listeners to the show, you have probably heard me say this already. But for the people on Twitter who might not be listening to the show, I'll, I'll bring it up here just for my own sanity. The nomination process for shows is now over. We have closed that window. This would be like three weeks from now, somebody say, saying, having somebody come up and say, you know what, the Jets should trade uh, Sam Darnold to this team that needs a court. No, the, the nomination process is closed. And after today, the NFL trade deadline will be over. But I am fascinated for today. Today is day 12. And I'm interested to see how today's entry does. It was not nominated by the uh, 98.7 Illuminati the shadowy group behind the scenes who has had some uh, very big selections so far. But there are some people at the station who I've not seen in a very long time, not since March, who feel very strongly about today's show. So we'll, uh, we'll get to that in the third segment. Plus, of course, moment of inspiration. The finalists for the AL MVP award are out. Got some feelings about that because the winner should be clear cut. It won't be. But you know who it should be. But let's start with what we watched last night. And I guess you would say, stop me if you've heard this one before. Right? You've heard that line before. Somebody tells you a joke or tells you a funny. Stop me if you've heard this one before. But the New York Giants, the New York football Giants, played a football game. And the New York football Giants lost the football game. The New York football giants came close to winning a football game. They did a lot of good things. We pat them on the head like a kindergarten who makes you a drawing. Oh, look at that. What is that, a giraffe? Oh, no, it's a car. I'm sorry. They didn't win because that's not what they do. 
They lost a football game because of mistakes they made. But hey, good effort. You came close. In life, you need things you can count on, right? What are things you can count on in life? Well, hopefully for you, it's a loving spouse, right? Somebody you can go home to and, and talk about your, your problems and they can help maybe solve them or just be a good ear to listen to them. Or maybe having a good sense of humor. Everybody thinks they have a good sense of humor, but, you know, I've been told that. Uh, a reliable car, right? Being able to get from one place to... It's important to have things in life that you can count on. And look, we all have one in this town right now. There's nothing anywhere in sports, in life, that you can count on more than Daniel Jones turning over the football. More so than anything in the NFL. I would say life, but this, let's keep it to sports. If there's a game and it involves Daniel Jones... Has he turned the ball over yet? No? Okay, well, it's coming at some point. If you're winning, if you're losing, there is nothing anywhere on God's green earth more guaranteed, nearly, than Daniel Jones turning over the football. Think about what you can count on in an NFL. If you were explaining the NFL to somebody, well, you'd say, you know what? There's nothing you can count on more than the Chiefs, right? The Chiefs, they go out there every week. They score points, especially when they play the Jets. Super Bowl champion Chiefs. Well, you know what? Over the last two years, the Chiefs have lost five games. Five times. They went out on a football field, and they were not able to win the game. Over the last two years, there's been one game. Daniel Jones has not turned the ball over. One. So in 20 of 21 games, and again, it's pretty easy to keep track of the stats on this one. Once you find out the original stat, you just add one to both columns. Because every single week, I defy you to find something more reliable than that. Well, Gordon, what about the Jets? They haven't won any games at all this year. That's true. They have not won any games this year. Last year, what did they win? Seven games last year? Tommy Heinrich, the old uh, former Yankee, had the nickname Old Reliable. I think it's time we, we dust off that, that nickname for Daniel Jones. It, look, if we can have two LTs walking the earth, we can certainly have two Old Reliables. And I would think, I don't know, maybe you can have a seance or something and uh, you know have uh, Tommy Heinrich on the line with the Ouija board. I'm sure if you explain to Tommy Heinrich... The stat lines for Daniel Jones. I don't know what Tommy Heinrich did in his career. It's a little bit before my time. I can't believe that he was more reliable than Daniel Jones. And it would be one thing if you just, you know, Jones had an interception every week or he had a fall. One, you know, just get it out of the way. Yeah, hey, you know what? It's, it's frustrating, but you know what? He overcame those. In 12 of 20 games, he's turned the ball over twice. So now I'd have to think it's 13 to 21, right? You can't have it, right? You just can't have it. 36 turnovers in 21 games. Uh, Giants obviously could not overcome his mistakes last night. And you'll hear that. Oh, you couldn't overcome. Giants couldn't overcome his mistakes. You know, their window for victories. Nobody could overcome those mistakes. No team could overcome the mistakes. And the turnovers are one thing. He had missed throws all over the place last night. 
No team could overcome consistently the mistakes that Daniel Jones makes consistently. I joke about, you know, any given Sunday. Well, with Daniel Jones, it's every freaking Sunday. And sometimes Monday, whatever they play on Monday. So much time has been spent on Sam Darnold, right? Uh, And how the Jets, after this year, they're going to move away from Sam Darnold. And let's be clear, Sam Darnold's been terrible. For all the Sam Darnold truthers out there, they've kind of gone into hiding. They they just kind of talk to themselves, and they've uh, taken a sabbatical from sports talk radio because it's been that bad. I think that Sam Darnold actually might be more salvageable than Daniel Jones because Sam has a lot of different things that he's got to work on, clearly, but Jones, while he's been better, his flaw is so well-defined, and it's still not even been corrected. You know, it would be one thing if Daniel Jones won a couple of games without interceptions and then maybe had a backslide, right? Like, all of a sudden, you know, he had one game where he threw the three interceptions. But he had a couple of games where you were, ah, maybe he's turned the corner, maybe he hasn't. No, he hasn't done anything. It's the same thing every single game. And let's be clear as well. Not all the Giants' losses are on him. Last week against Philadelphia, I thought there were other culprits. The defense with all the meltdowns late in that game. Obviously, Evan Ingram last night directly on the quarterback. He lost them that game. You go into the half with a lead. You're thinking to yourself, you know what? Giants pulling off the upset. And I loved it. I was sitting around yesterday, bored out of my mind. And I said, you know what? I was listening to the wind howl outside. I mean, the wind yesterday, and I don't live that far from Giant Stadium. I don't know what it is, maybe 10, 12 miles. So I said, baby, you know, Tom Brady, a little older. Maybe the wind's going to affect him. Maybe the Giants put it. So at 12 and a half, I jumped on it. But then you get into the game, you think, you know what? Maybe the Giants are going to be able to pull off the upset. Maybe the Giants can find a way to win a game. Two plays into the second half, you go into the, the half with a lead, and you're thinking to yourself, all right. Let's just keep it going here in the second half. Two plays. Two plays into the, sec- into the second half. Two. Double the amount of wins the Giants have. And then you lose the lead. You get the lead back. Your defense steps up, gets a three and out. You're up by two points. You get the ball back. Chance to put the game away or certainly put more pressure on Tom Brady. And you give it up again. You give it up again. You can't live with it. No one could, no one anywhere would be able to win when it's consistent every single week. And last night, it was not just the turnovers. He was missing guys that were open and down the field and just missed them. Just simply was not accurate. And even, I mean, think about all the plays that it could have been worse. But hey, you know what, Gordon, he drove, he put those mistakes aside, drove down, got the touchdown, had the two-point conversion, and it was pass interference. They should have been able to get another playoff there to tie the game. Oh, look, I think it was pass interference. And you certainly, once you call pass interference, you can't pick it up. You can't play, uh, you can't plead oops-a-daisy. As, and that's essentially what the referees did. Oh, oops-a-daisy. Oh, did this fall out of my pocket? No, you threw the flag because you saw pass interference. Now, I don't think it was the most glaring pass interference I've ever seen in my life. If they didn't call it originally, I could have probably been okay with that. It was kind of a bang-bang play, but I think it was pass interference. 
But you know what? Here's the deal in the NFL. And anybody who's watched football for any length of time in their life knows sometimes you got to battle the refs. That's part of the NFL. Oh, you're the team the refs screwed. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, that, sometimes that happens. Sometimes you have to overcome that. I know it's kind of been put on the back burner a little bit because the Jets and Giants are so reliably losing every single week that you kind of forget, oh yeah, when you win games, sometimes you have to overcome the officials too, right? The officials in the NFL, they screw things up all the time, even with all the the instant replay and challenges, all this type of stuff. But for the quarterback, the broadcast, even on that last drive, was giving Jones, boy, a whole bunch of credit in a drive that could have ended in disaster about five different times. It looked like he was almost trying to throw the ball away. And again, me sitting with 12 and a half, I'm like, don't you dare throw a pick six. If you throw a pick six, I'm going to take this phone and I'm going to throw it through the TV. And it's frustrating because the fact that Jones's flaw is so well-defined, you'd think, hey, all we got to do is fix this. Just stop, taking the, stop turning the ball over. Take a sack. Or throw it away. Live to play another day. But yet still, it's, it's awful. So the first thing, the first takeaway is the quarterback. And then the second thing I'd have to say is the coach. Look, Joe Judge, as I said many a times, he gets a free pass from me for this year. He was thrown into an impossible spot with a terrible team in a horrible year. And I think while it's pretty clear at this point the quarterback is an issue, uh, the, the coach is not a, an issue, even, even with the record being as bad as it is. But he, here's the deal. We're halfway through the season. This is not three or four games. It's eight games, and you're one and seven. So I will give Joe Judge a bit of credit. Nice to be in every game that you play, pretty much. But could you win a few? Could you win a couple? I'm not asking for most. I'm certainly not asking for all. So for all the talk today about the Giants being close to winning this game, close to winning the Eagle game, close to winning last night, close to winning the Dallas game, can you win more than one game? Because that one game right now is the outlier. Right now, that's the exception to the rule. The rule is the Giants play every week and they lose every week. And the only reason why you won anything this year is because Riverboat Ron decided to drive directly into the iceberg. I mean, it was almost like he backed up so he could hit the iceberg harder. So even in the NFC East, even in the terrible, awful, worst place in the world, the NFC East, the Giants are still, it's hard to tell, right? It, 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 who's, who's the best team in the NFC? Is it going to be the Eagles? Could Washington be the team? Maybe Dallas, if they ever woke up and, and found a way forward? I don't know. The terrible NFC East, it's still pretty well defined, even with all the uncertainty that the Giants are the worst. And you know what? They shouldn't be the worst, but they are. Because there was a lot to like from last night. The offensive line playing with two rookies looked really strong, looked good. The running game I thought was the most effective it's been in a long time. The defense getting after Tom Brady. Leonard Williams with another sack. The play calling uh, was more creative. They were doing things on defense to, to, to confuse Brady pretty much all night. He was missing guys wide open too. And yet it's all washed away. Not because of the officials, but because of the quarterback. I thought Nate made the right call when he threw the flag. So I'm not sure why it got picked up. Uh, we had a pretty good view. I know they can't use a jumbotron for replay. We had a pretty clear view of that as well. Um, yeah, but I thought Nate made the right call the first time. I thought, you know, normally your first instinct is the right one. So 
that's all I'm going to say about the officiating guys. I know it's going to be a lot of follow-up questions to it. Uh, I'm just going to be very clear and concise with that right there. I thought our guys played hard. Uh, we got to put ourselves in a position that we can have success and not bring a third party into the factor. It's tough enough to beat the Bucks, So that's all I'm going to say about that. All right, so there's Joe Judge, Giants head coach, after the uh, Giants lose another – who saw that coming, right? The Giants lose another close game, this time to the Buccaneers. Uh, so Joe Judge and uh, I'm sure the uh, officiating and that call – and the officiating overall did not uh, swing the Giants away last night. There were a few calls, including that uh, – the one hit – that I don't, I'm not exactly sure what the defender was supposed to do. He, like, lowers his shoulder, and it just so happens his head is attached to his shoulders. He, he's a really strange guy that his head is on the top of his body, and then comes his neck, and then comes his shoulders. So when he lowers his shoulder, uh, and then the, the offensive player, Cameron Brait, kind of lowers his head to go into the defender, I really thought that that was more on Cameron Brait than the Giants player. So the, the officials did not exactly do the Giants any favors last night. But, of course, they're, uh, as, as few of favors as the officials did for the Giants, their quarterback did them even fewer. Even less? Even fewer. I think it's fewer. All right, it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Wait a second. Today's election day? Why didn't anybody say anything? Talk about something sneaking up on Did you guys know this? Really flew under the radar. You know, it also has flown under the radar how many bad teams there are in the NFL. There are so many terrible teams. And now that week eight is in the books, we are halfway home for, we hope, the entire NFL regular season. Now, there are some fans who are saying to themselves, we're only halfway home. We have to do, we were running the marathon. We're 13 point whatever, uh, 13.1 miles. That's 26, right? Yeah, 26.2. 13 point, I got to run another 13.1 mile. Think about it. What would you rather do right now? Run 13.1 miles in a row and not like take any breaks or watch eight more jet games? Which would you rather do right now? I think I'd rather run 13.1 miles and I've never ran 13.1 miles in a row. Not, not so far. And I'm hoping that's on my bucket list to never do. My bucket list is filled with things I never want to do. And that's one of them. All right. So uh, we've, we've, every week I, I bring it up. I don't want to watch the Jets. I don't want to watch the Giants. There's like the circus has come to town. Every NFL Sunday, there's all these amazing attractions. Guys eating fire, people swinging from the trapeze. And yet we're stuck looking at the bearded lady. And the bearded lady, you know who the bearded lady is. I mean, how long could you really look at the bearded lady? All right, she's got a beard. Let's move on. But no, we're forced to watch the bearded lady every single week. So we have come up with, while all the other shows look at who's best, I couldn't tell you who's the best. I'm not busy watching who's the best every week. I'm busy watching who's the worst. So we have NFL poop rankings for weekend. Let's hit it. Boy, and there have been a lot of teams. It almost feels like, and I always think that the world revolves around me anyway, but it almost feels like all these teams are just vying to get on the poop list. But we only break down the the top five, the bottom five, however you want to put it. The five that are floating on the water, the five that are floating below the water, however you want to do it. But number five, let's start it off. And it's very, very difficult. And when we came up with this segment, Who would have thought that at any point, under any set of circumstances, that the number five worst team would be the New England Patriots? Uh 
Just a bad team. I mean, there's no other way to put it. And think about it. I mean, it was, what, about this time last year, they had Tom Brady. They had Josh Gordon. They had Antonio Brown. There were people at that time wondering, hey, you know what? Could this Patriots offense be their best? Could this be better than the 2017? Now, that was silly. But you know what else is silly? The amount of people who are still, even at this point, trying to give Cam Newton a pass like it's not his fault. Now, I'm not saying it's all his fault. It's never any. It's never one person's fault all, all, altogether, uh, except maybe Daniel Jones last night. But no, I mean, it's not all Cam Newton's fault. But you know that the people who are still giving him a pass, if he were playing well, Boy, oh boy, would they be saying, oh, look at how good, you know, Cam's doing it despite the weapons, despite this, despite that. And they would be giving him a pass, and he could really use a pass because he can't pass on his own. Since he came back, it's now been, what, four games? They've lost all four. He's thrown zero touchdown passes. He has five interceptions and three fumbles. Now, I don't know, and you don't either. How do you calculate a quarterback rating? Who knows? How do you figure out QBR? I was told there was no math. I don't know how to calculate those things, but if you did calculate those things, uh, throwing zero touchdown passes, five interceptions, and three fumbles, that would be bad. That would be very, very bad. All right, so number five on the poop list is the New England Patriots. Ooh, jeez. Number four on the poop list. You know them. You love them. They are your New York football Giants. The Giants, I was devising the list yesterday, and, you know, we moved it to Tuesday because the Giants have some Monday night games, the Jets have some Monday I mean, What the hell are we doing putting these games on the national stage? Boy, oh boy. The national stage is, is, is taking up shot. They're, they're breaking down the national stage just for that reason. The Giants were so close to getting off the poop list rankings this week. They came so close, but then... They came up short. It's almost like, in in my own mind, Daniel Jones came in and said, no, 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 we got to stay on the national stage in uh, in the poop rankings. And at this point, uh, his turnovers, they should really just sponsor his turnovers, right? Like, just brought to you by Progressive, Daniel Jones' first interception of the game. Here comes the Geico Gecko. I was so waiting for that pick six last night. I had the Giants plus 12 and a half. I was sitting pretty the whole night. I was feeling good. Oh, you're so smart, Gordon. Oh, you're such a genius. And I should not have been sweating that game at all. But yet I was. A very sweaty night as the Giants show up as number four on the poop list. All right, number three on the poop list. Again, very, very difficult to calculate all these teams. I have my own algorithm which is uh, just me sitting back and eating M&Ms. But that, and look, we all have a process, people. Number three on the poop list for this week. I think they were number three last week. I'm not sure. But holding, like Casey Casey, holding steady at number three, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, the Jags are a team that we went into the year thinking, you know what, this is the team. They're tanking. And then they went out the first week and they won Oh, my God, what a disaster that has been for them. Because at this point, you would think one-game lead by the Jets, that's an insurmountable lead. There's no way the Jags can go back and give up that win. So now that they have it, they're kind of stuck. How do you catch a team that's never going to win? 
But this week is going to be fascinating for the poop rankings because you have Giants-Washington, right? That, the giant That's the only team that they can ever win. And last time, it wasn't like they blew them out. They won by a point. You have the Jets and the Patriots, and you have the Jags in Houston. Woo, yikes. I would rather, I mean, Jaguars and Tech, I would rather watch video of actual Jaguars. Like, if I told you you have to sit for four hours and watch the Jaguars and Texans, or actual Jaguars, maybe like, you know, hunting down game, I would much rather watch actual Jaguars, like, you know, just being a predator in the, in the, in the wild than watching uh, the, the actual Jaguars, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, and the Jaguars going to uh, rookie quarterback Jake Luton this week. Yes, the sixth-round pick from Oregon State. So just when you thought Jags-Houston couldn't get any worse, the Jaguars say, oh, no, yes, it can. So the Jaguars, number three on the poop list. There we go. I thought, I thought, we, I thought we were over it there. Uh, number two on the poop list. Now we're really – this is where the rubber hits the road, people. Number two on the poop list is the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, that their offensive futility almost as long as that uh, that eruption there. They, I think they've still only scored one touchdown since Dak went down. Their point differential for the year is now minus eighty-one. Even in the terrible NFC East, that's bad. And they really probably should not have won any games at all. They had that miracle win against the uh, Falcons, right? And then the only other game they won was against the the Giants, who don't beat anybody. Think about how much time has been spent talking about uh, what a mess. And just in terms of fantasy, sir, I've had so many people in my fantasy football league uh, offering me this guy and the Cowboys. I don't want any of your Cowboys now. Forget it. I would cut every guy on... If I had a fantasy team that had any Cowboy, I would cut everybody except Zeke. That would be the only guy I'd keep. I'd be just too frustrated every single week waiting for C.D. Lamb to catch a ball. Woof! Yikes. How much worse can it get? Who knows? we got eight more games to find out, people. Uh, So, number two. We're already running late here. Number two on the poop list is the Dallas Cowboys. And so that means... Have we been doing this five weeks now or four weeks? I'm not sure. However many weeks we have been doing this, it's very hard to have a poop list without the inspiration for the poop list. At times, like last night, the Giants on the verge of winning a game, on the verge of getting off the poop list. But not the New York Jets people. As bad as the Cowboys are, the Jets are almost doubly worse. How do I, what do I mean by that? As I said, point differential for the Cowboys this year, minus 81. Their opponents have scored 81 more points than them. The Jets are a minus 144. That's almost impossible. To, nobody has been that bad ever. I saw a headline that, uh, you know, with the trade deadline being today, that Adam Gase is not waving the white flag. That's because he handed the white flag to Frank Gore, and he's waving it like a madman. He's like, I don't have much time left. I got to get out of here. Even if it means just sitting on the bench like I should be at 37 years old, not running every single... Me again? I think even Frank Gore is surprised by how much Frank Gore gets the football. You know what also is surprising? That Adam Gase needs that giant sheet of paper 
when it's bubble screen slant draw. Those are the only th- things he's got. I mean, how many possible variations of a bubble screen slant and draw can you have on one sheet of paper? So there you go. For I don't know how many year- how many weeks we've been doing it, how many years we've been doing it. But how many it is? Four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, ten weeks, a thousand weeks. The number one team in the poop rankings are your New York Jets. All right, that's going to do it. For, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but we're running behind here. We got to, you know, got to force it through a little bit quicker, if you will. All right, that's going to do it for poop rankings for this week. Oh, two from Wetland. Nineteen ninety-six. No, that game did not happen on this date. No, on this date in nineteen ninety-two is the day that Paul O'Neill became a New York Yankee. Very, he was actually, I think, uh, he gets kind of underrated because of just how good he was with the Yankees. He was, a, he was a good player in Cincinnati, but when he got to the Yankees, obviously, he went to a whole new level. So, and uh, that was one of those trades that when it was made. You know, Roberto Kelly was seen as, you know, part of when you're as bad as the Yankees were at that point, you know, 90, 89, 90, 91. um, You think, oh, we got to hold on to our young guys. We got to get our young guys. It's all about the youth. You don't want to trade anybody away. And it had really been a real long time since the Yankees. They had been okay in the 80s, but it was, you know, it was certainly in a downtrend there. And then all of a sudden they traded away Roberto Kelly. So I remember thinking they're trading away Roberto Kelly. He's one of our guys. For Paul O'Neill, why Paul O'Neill? Well, Paul O'Neill obviously was a slam dunk and a fantastic player. So this was the day. Yesterday, I think it was, was the day in uh, 95 that the Yankees uh, hired Joe Torre, which was not, uh, I mean, talk about moves that the reaction to it was one way and it turned out to be completely the other way. Uh, the Paul O'Neill trade, but I don't think it was at the level of uh, obviously of uh, the Joe Torre move, but that one was roundly criticized at the time as well, and it couldn't have been, it couldn't have made a hard to make a better deal than that one. So your moment of inspiration for this uh, Tuesday, November third, it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is ninety-eight point seven FM, ESPN, New York. We've already done our poop rankings for today. I know a lot of people have missed out, but uh, it's just the way it goes. That's the second segment on a Tuesday, and after the Giants' performance last night, we we moved it to Tuesday anyway, but uh, we had to cap it on Tuesday this week after the Giants' performance yesterday. But, of course, the other staple of the show, it's now 12 days old. It is the Regal Tumble, the quest to find the greatest television show of all time. So yesterday, we had a very outside-the-box entry in Jeopardy!, and we were wondering, you know, maybe think about all the time over the years you've watched Jeopardy. Now, it might not be the first show you come up with when you think of greatest show of all time, but it depends on how you define greatest show of all time. Think about all the time spent watching Jeopardy over all the years, all the questions that you have answered and obviously probably gotten wrong. But Jeopardy could not compete. Sorry for, for Alex Trebek, but uh, no, incorrect. Sorry, the correct answer was basically anything else. So now Jeopardy did not do the worst Still, I think that uh, Billions has still had the lowest ranking of all the shows that we've had in the uh, two and a half weeks. But Jeopardy just could not compete. So as we head into day 12, the power trio remains. And it's going to be very difficult. I would think, though, 
There are entries this week that could very well upset one of the top three. But, of course, the top three, as we know at this point, are... The Office, in there since day number one, looked like it could have been a double elimination victim back on Friday when The Sopranos showed up, but kind of rebounded the strength of their core constituents coming back and uh, doing a nice job yesterday. So The Office is still available. Also still available is... Seinfeld still there, okay. And then, of course, the other, the big powerhouse, the big heavyweight, the number one vote getter so far in the uh, entries that they've been in is, of course, the Sopranos. Sopranos still a very, very strong contender. Although I'm starting to want, you know, it's always weird to me when I talk to people and they're like, yeah, you know what? I, I really, I was too young for the Sopranos. I'm like, you're too young for the Sopranos. Get. How are you walking around without your mommy and daddy? How is that possible you're allowed to walk walk around on your own? You just have some adult supervision. Well, there you go. Those are the three returning contenders. So today, and again, what was the word I used yesterday for this week's list of entries? I would say if I had to pick one word, it would be controversial. So let's get to today's entry. Who is it? which separates the haves from the have-nots. No, I'm still wondering who is it? Frugality. Sacrifice. Jason Bateman, right? Deciding to invest in your family's future. Oh, no! And taking responsibility for the consequences of those actions. Ozark. The Netflix extravaganza. Oh, people love Ozark. A lot of people at the station. Oh, my God. You'd think that they were producers on the show. Yes, Ozark. A lot of, I, if you had to ask people right now, your favorite show right now, they love Ozark because it does what a lot of the big-time great shows of all time did. You know, the big splashy scenes, the big uh, shocking deaths. Of course, the other parts of the show, eh, not so much. You know, that, that kind of shows you that people don't actually know why they like the shows that they like. The reason you like the show, because of the characters. You care about the characters when they have the shocking deaths or the big plot twists and all those type of things. Uh, Ozark, eh, not so much. You know, you know the core group of people on Ozark, nothing's going to happen to. Jason Bateman's character, Laura Linney's character, they, nothing's good. they're going to be fine. Everybody, anybody who shows up for the next season, mm, chances are you're not going to make it to the end of that season. Very good Mama chance. Mama yeah. Well, there you go. Oh, look, a lot of people do like Ozark. It's a show that's very, very popular. So who knows? Maybe Ozark could be the show that knocks the power trio. Right now, the three that are standing in the ring, they're just taking whoever comes down the ramp and just tossing them aside pretty easily between Seinfeld, The Office, and The Sopranos. So breaking up that power trio is going to be very, very difficult. Who could be the one that gets picked off? I would think if you're going drama, there's no way anybody in their right mind could pick Ozark over The Sopranos. Your voting rights should be taken away from you if that's the case. Now, we don't do that. We want all the votes we can get on Twitter at Gordon Damer. But if you're going drama, I'd have to think you'd go Sopranos way over Ozark. And if you're going just, you know, all-time great shows... Ozark is not really even a great show right now. So I'll put that out. Wait a minute. No, you don't tell me. No. 
I have to tell you, I think that it, it, it bears mentioning that Ozark is just not that great a show. It does, you know, it, it's, one of, it's a perfect treadmill show, right? Like, you got nothing to watch on the treadmill. You could pop that one up. You know what? I love the feature on, uh, on Netflix where you can watch things at, like, 1.5 speed, like one and a half times what it actually is. And I've been starting to watch um, Unsolved Mysteries. That's a perfect treadmill show. You can pop that on and uh, just watch it in half the amount of time, basically. And the run feels like it uh, didn't take that long. Of course, the problem with Unsolved Mysteries, I watched this season of Unsolved Mysteries, and the first one is this guy who worked in, like, the FBI and the NSA, and uh, he's worked in government his entire life, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, shows up dead. And they have all these investigations. I'm thinking to myself, wait a sec, the FBI couldn't solve it? I'm solving it on my treadmill, watching it at one and a half times speed? I don't think that that's going to work. I don't think I'm going to have any answers for you. But that doesn't have anything to do with today. Today's entry into the Regal Tumble, it's up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, is Ozark. So your four entries for today, Seinfeld, The Office, The Sopranos, and Ozark. What have we been talking about this morning? In case you're just joining us, well, of course, we have uh, broken down the Giants' performance against the Buccaneers last night. And I told you earlier, stop me if you've heard this one before, but the Giants... Had some good things going on, had some nice plays, had some nice performances, and then down the stretch, too many mistakes, and it turns out that the Giants lost another. I know it's going to come as a shock because there's nothing, almost nothing, that is more reliable than the Giants losing a football game that they played. After all, they've played eight of them. They've lost seven of them, and the only one they won, they won by a single point. But, of course, if there is one thing that is more dependable, more reliable than the Giants losing a football game that they played, well, that would be that their quarterback turned the ball over in a game that they played. There's nothing in the NFL. If there's a game involving Daniel Jones, there's nothing in the NFL more reliable than Daniel Jones turning over a football. And, and while the, Jet, uh, the uh, Giants are sitting at 1-7, and seven, I would not say that 1-7 and seven is exclusively his fault. It's never any exclusively one person's fault all the time. And last week against the Eagles, it was not Daniel Jones's fault. I would put the blame on other people than him. Last night was his fault. And the problem is, is now you have eight games left this season, and you have a very big question at quarterback on your mind. And the point that I brought up earlier was for all the time we spent talking about Sam Darnold and Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, four times, boom, done it. Uh, that I think that Sam Darnold might actually be more salvageable than Jones. Because Jones, while he's been better, I think, overall, his flaw is so well-defined and it has not been corrected in any way. Not even any small incremental progress. It's not like he goes a couple of games without turning the ball over and then has the issue pop up again. It's every single week. It's every single game. And last night, two plays into the second half, interception. Just when you thought to yourself, all right, how long can the Giants go? Can the Giants now put this first half and a second half together and really put a game together and and really take control? They had control going into the half, 14-6, and they come out two plays in, and the quarterback just gives it up, just gives it up in a throw that there's no way he should have made. And then after you overcome that, and again, if it would be one thing if – There was one turnover a week, 
and you just knew, okay, he had to get that out of his way, and then, all right, fine, we can overcome. You lose the lead. You get the lead back. Your defense steps up, gets a three and out. You're up by two, a chance to put the game away, and Daniel Jones gives the game away. You know, with the Seahawks, it's about letting Russ cook. With Daniel Jones, it's keeping him out of the kitchen. Remove the stove because he just burns you every single solitary time. And even the drive, because I'm sure a lot of focus is going to be on the pass interference that came at the end of the game and ended the game. And the broadcast gave Jones a lot of credit for a drive that could have ended in disaster about five different times. And it's frustrating because that not just that his flaw is so well-defined, the Giants did a lot of good things last night. A lot of good things, mostly good things. And yet they find themselves sitting at 1-7 and seven because they never win. And their quarterback never improves from the one major issue that he has. And if he doesn't, over these next eight games, we're not just going to be talking about the Jets looking at a quarterback. You're going to have to find one for the Giants as well. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. All right, let's get a couple of calls in here because I've been blabbing this whole time. I think it's Joe in the Islip. Joe, what's going on, my man? All right, Joe is not there. Spike in Jersey. I'm sure Spike is there. I'm always there. For He's you. always there. He's just waiting for the show to begin. Even before 5 o'clock, Spike is just hanging on the line. I appreciate that. Um, like, I'm on? waiting for you. Let, let me tell you, in your contest, this is a bad pun, but I'll give you a warning. It's going to be tough to bump off the Sopranos. Well, look, they are the big heavyweight, and we'll have to yeah. see. There's other big shows that are coming down the pike here before too long. So, uh, you know, the problem with the Sopranos is, is that a lot of times – uh, it, it's a, it's actually taking place almost too long ago, so that's that that's the issue. I would agree with you, but my kid's twenty eight, and it'll be twenty eight in a few weeks, and he uh, he got into it and ripped through every season like in two and a half days. He and his, his friends, and they all love it. It's it's, it's like a Goodfellas and the Godfather. I agree with you on the Godfather. Perhaps is a little dated, not for me. Right, you know, Lincoln's Gettysburg Address is not dated for me, but the. Certainly, the Goodfellas is a little more updated, but they're one, two, two, one, and I, I don't know what's going to be two, but I would bet, I would pretty much bet that Sopranos will finish number one. Did you? Well, think we shall see. We got a long way to go. Yeah. All right. Listen, the Giant quarterback is very, very good in certain areas. He really is a precise passer, but he's got to get rid of the uh, losing the ball. He he missed three or four open receivers. Oh, wide open. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and you know what? It would be one thing. And, and Spike, thanks for the call. It would be one thing if he just had the issue with the interceptions, which would be bad enough and almost impossible to overcome. It's not like he's leading some. It's not like he's Jameis Winston leading some unbelievable offense the other times either. Can we squeeze in one more here, Brian? Rudy and Bergenfield? Rudy, go, man. I was going to say, the most frustrating thing about this team is that you see, like, in, in the past with, with Mark Sanchez, uh, it was clear he was never going to be a good quarterback because he was put on probably the best team he was ever going to get. Like, at any point in his career, that a team like that would have been the best team he could have ever hoped for. And the fact that he wasn't showing something right out of the gate this rookie season proved he needed to be replaced. But he just kept slogging through it with him as he progressively got worse. And you look here with Sam now, yeah, he's not perfect. He's not, you know, he's not making the types of plays all the time you'd want to. But the team is markedly worse than it's been. This may be the worst team of all time. What would you say, Gordon? Do you agree well, that this may be one of them? 
Yeah, it certainly is. And here's the thing, Rudy. You know, we bring up the other winless teams. The Browns team that was winless, they were trying to be bad. They were tanking, right? The Buccaneers team that went winless, they were an expansion team. Really, the only team that you're really talking about is the Lions. It's the Lions and it's the Jets. And it certainly seems like the Jets are going to be on that list by the end of the year. It's teams that just never win a game. We are already out of time. I apologize. We'll be back tomorrow starting at 5. Please vote on the Regal Tumble. It is on Twitter at Gordon Damer, and we'll be back tomorrow starting at 5, 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.